0: Wow, yeah, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. I am so glad to be with you today. If you're thankful for Jesus, put your hand up. Hey, if you're thankful that you get to be a church today, put your other hand up. Check to make sure that you put on deodorant and have a seat. God bless you guys. I am so excited to be with you today. You guys have been so good to me recently, and I'm just so thankful to be a part of this church I wanna welcome all of you joining here at our 48th Street location, those of you joining from all of our different locations, those of you are part of our inside family, those of you are part of our online family, something weird has been happening to our online family. Some of you keep showing up for church at one of our physical locations and we absolutely love it. I went to Encounter last night to check on our high school students, met a kid at Encounter who has only uh, ever attended our church online. And he was doing magic tricks, and so I was like, I see that, I'll raise you one. I did a magic trick back. His magic trick was better, okay? Um, And then before service started today, I met some people from Peoria who've been watching our church online. They decided, hey, you know what? We got nothing to do, let's drive in and uh, hang out here. So if you're watching online, and you're uh, looking for an opportunity to hang out, reach out to one of our campuses, uh, you can click on my uh, face on the, on the website and uh, we'll get you connected to one of our campus pastors. Plan a visit, we'd love to have you come hang out and interact with us for a little bit. Well, this year, the theme for our church is everyone. And we spent the first five weeks talking about the kind of church that we want to continue to be and that we wanna be a church that's for everyone. A church that gives people time, offers them hope, takes faith-filled risks, searches for the lost, binds up the hurting, and proclaims the truth. Well, we also believe that everyone wants a better family. We want better relationships with our spouses. We want better relationship with our kids, better relationship with our parents, better relationship with grandkids, better relationship with grandparents. All of us want to win at home. All of us at some point or another though have come to grips with this devastating reality that relationships are complicated, hard, and sometimes hurtful. If you agree with that statement, you can go, "Mm mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure I had the right group of people because listen, if you guys are going, no, things are like as easy as they've, it doesn't get any better than where I'm at. You know, here's the mic, Okay. When uh, God made us, he hardwired us for community. Uh, That is, and it is one of the primary ways that we were supposed to experience God and grow in God and learn about him. And the greatest expression of this community is supposed to be the family. And it's because of the incredible power of the family that it has always been the target of Satan, Make no mistake about it, your family has a very real enemy. Satan wants to get a foothold in your family so that way he can sow generational dysfunction. Some of you, you have seen sin issues and challenges go get passed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Some of you are carrying the weight today, shouldering it on your back, trying your best to make sure that the pain you experience doesn't get passed on it's because Satan got a hold of one person and he sowed a seed that reaped a generational weed that keeps sprouting up in generation after generation. And without God's help, you'll never kill that weed. But God has a plan. He has tools. He has power. He has wisdom available to you and to me that keep the odds in our favor. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? And some of you right now, you might be tempted to take the exit ramp. And Gil Clayton, really appreciated the first couple sermons of the year. Uh, liked you, loved you, but um, this sermon's not for us. I don't have a spouse yet. I don't have kids yet, or my kids are out of the house. So what do you want me to do for the next eight weeks? Uh, let me tell you something. I want you to show up, keep your butt in the seat, and watch what God does. Because uh, I believe that there are principles in this series that are either going to prepare you for when the opportunities come, or they're gonna help you realize that you have way more opportunities in front of you than you originally thought. Uh, Whether or not we want to admit it, it, most of us have a plan for how we want our family to operate and how we want our family to turn out. It may not be spoken, it may not be written down, but internally, we have a set of expectations. Uh, Newlyweds figure this out, because they just think that everything's gonna be perfect and then they have to fold the towels and they're like, oh dear God, who did I marry, right? We have like, I thought we were always gonna fold the towels this way. What breaks our heart is that rarely does our experience match our expectations. We have this unwritten set of rules of how we want our family to operate and then when it doesn't operate that way, we get frustrated, we get depressed, we get angry. And in that frustration, in that depression, in that anger, we sin and we sow a generational seed into our family. Uh, This... Got to be careful here. This is complicated. This is what most of us kind of want our family to look like. We have this perfect vision, this dream. We're like, yep, this is what I want it to be. In fact, we, we looked through all the different families that were out there in all the different houses and we, we picked this one. And we're like, that's exactly what I want it to look like. And so we go to work trying to make that happen. And every couple that meets with one of our staff members for premarital counseling, it's here that they're like, this is what I want us to look like. And man, people who are getting ready to get married are some of the funnest people to hang out with because they have no idea how real marriage actually is. Okay, They're like, we're never gonna be like our parents. I'm like, you're your mother. Okay, yeah, there's your Brother, hold on, okay. Yeah, they're going, we're, we're not even gonna fight, we love each other, we can't stop holding hands. I'm like, brother, you're gonna buy a Suburban and she's gonna ride him back, okay? This is, this is, you got stuff coming your way. But everybody wants this, this is what every parent wants with their kid, every kid wants with their parent. We have this ideal dream, we looked at it, we're like, yes, this is what we want. The same is true for grandparents and grandkids. However, in order to get this life, you have to have three things. You need a plan that you follow, okay? You need all the pieces. And you need everybody involved to follow the same plan. And just so you know, it's that simple. The problem is, uh, some of us, we started to build this house, and we ended up with this house. Even the dog's dead in this picture, okay? And one day, you're looking at your your marriage, you're like, I thought I was gonna get this. This is what it looks like. The boys were supposed to be on top of the house, and you put them in the front yard, honey. Well, how did this happen? Well, for some of us, it's because we didn't follow the directions. We thought we knew better. Others of us were like, hold on a second, there were directions? I had no clue. Some of us, we didn't get all of the pieces. You never had a godly dad. You didn't have a chance to learn from somebody and watch how you were supposed to interact with your spouse and so here you are trying to be a dad without ever having one. Uh, Your grandparents uh, died young and so you don't even know how to be a grandparent because you never got to observe it. Uh, Some of us, our houses look like this because not everybody was willing to follow the plan. You did your part but they definitely didn't do their part. It requires everybody to participate. Everybody to follow the plan. But some of the people in your family, they had ideas of their own. Parents of teenagers, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Parents who have adult kids, you know this pain. And we, we thought everything was going good, but no. And some of us, if you were to describe your house right now, this is what you'd say. It's not together. I don't think all the pieces are there, but there's potential, okay? Yeah, this is where, at one point in time, you, you thought you were building this, and there was a period of your life where you felt like your family was headed in the right direction. You were engaged, but then you learned some of their secrets, and you had to send the invitations out saying the wedding's been postponed or canceled. You were married and all of a sudden they changed, got, got caught up in sin and walked away from God. Maybe your parents and you thought that getting pregnant was gonna be easy but it hasn't happened yet. You, you thought your child would be healthy but you're still reeling from a miscarriage. You, you're, you thought your kid would stay innocent and pure. You thought they would keep talking to you. You thought that you guys were gonna be best friends. And now they look like you, they sound like you, they talk like you, but when they come down the stairs or when they come back from college or when they visit you for a long weekend, they look like you, they sound like you, but you don't recognize them anymore. Maybe you're divorced. You thought you'd be together forever. You thought you had someone on your team and now you're trying to figure out how to do it all alone you were married faithfully for a number of years, and then out of nowhere, they passed away, and now you're a widow. And there's all kinds of things that you didn't expect you'd have to navigate. I mean, on top of the grief, there's now a cold side to the bed. You, you haven't even figured out how to start making the right amount of coffee in the morning because you keep making enough for them too. You go shopping and you buy too many bananas and you keep, just when you're having a good day, you come home and you realize that you didn't make it through the bananas again this week. It snows and for years he got up early and plowed it and now you're trying to figure out how many trips outside are you going to have to go in 15 minute increments to be able to get yourself all the way out of the drive to get to work on time. In the middle of the heat of summer, you're finding yourself trying to Google how do you start a lawnmower because he just always took care of it. How do you navigate this? Perhaps one of the hardest things to do on planet Earth is to raise a godly family. Maybe we need to recognize that the thing that we think is gonna be easy and perfect and life-giving is gonna take absolutely everything inside of us to pull off. It's, It's comforting to me that when I read through the pages of scripture, Anytime the Bible goes into detail about anybody in the Bible, you know what you'll find? Every single one of those families was dysfunctional. You don't find a really good godly family to kind of model your life after. All of them have glaring sins and leave devastation in their wake. And the way we pull ourselves through the pain and the way we navigate the sorrow, the way we pick up the pieces is by clinging to the words of God. Everything happens for a reason. You've probably said this, you've probably heard this, and we see the beauty of this on the other side of a divorce when we find a new person to share the rest of our lives with. We see it in the marriage that's put together after the counseling, or the relationship we get to have with our grandkids that we never had with our own kids. We go through a difficult spell and someone comes up and they offer us these kind words. Everything happens for a reason and it's like honey to our lips. Uh, The problem is that God never said that. Because if you say those words to the wrong person, you're not gonna comfort them, you're gonna anger them. You're gonna push them further away from God Because everything happens for a reason. If God's the one who said that, then um, that makes God the architect of your pain. If everything happens for a reason, then your husband cheated on you, and God instigated it. It means when you fall down the flight of stairs, you go, God, thanks for not pushing me down two flights, just, just one flight, when your child dies, when your friends turn on you, when your wife won't speak to you, when your kids move out on you because they don't wanna be under your home anymore. Everything happens for a reason. God, why would you do this to me? You say these words to the wrong person and they'll run from God and they'll be angry at God for something that God never said. So if you've ever said these words, And if you're clinging to these words, stop. And your desire to say something good and nourishing to a person who is hurting, you might be saying the exact wrong thing. Let me give you something better to say. We need to replace everything happens for a reason with anything can be redeemed. Oh, that's better. Better. That means that if God can get his hand in a situation, he can make it so good that in hindsight you'll go, I had no idea that my life would turn out like this, even though it started out like that. Let me show you what I mean by anything can be redeemed. Because if you're here today, if you're listening to my voice and you're going, I would like an aspect of my family redeemed, let me tell you why I personally have hope that anything can be redeemed. You ready for this? We're gonna go through a bunch of scriptures. You're gonna to have to hang on, but trust me, it's all gonna make sense in the end. The reason I believe that God can redeem anything is because of these verses right here. Romans chapter eight, verse one through four. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law, or Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He redeemed you. If you're able, at all of our locations, just this is gonna sound weird, but trust me, uh, touch your ankle. How many of you guys did that? Oh yeah, praise God for the flexibility. Now listen, if I know you can touch your ankle, I don't have to ask you, can you touch your nose? Because if you can reach your ankle, you can reach your nose. If God can redeem your soul from hell, then I have no doubt in my mind that he can navigate and redeem the nose of your relationships. I know that God can redeem anything because he redeemed the worst thing. He redeemed us through his son. He took us, pay attention to this, from being prisoners to sin and set us free in him. He did that kind of redemptive work. Look what else he did, Romans five, or right, verse five and six. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Leave this up here for just a second. He gives you and me a new mind that is governed by the Spirit. If you don't have the new mind of Christ in you, it's gonna lead to Death. So you're taking a mind that leads to death into your marriage, into your parenting, into your grandparenting, into your relationships. Or through the work of Jesus Christ in your life, you can take a mind that has been governed by the Spirit and this brings life and peace. If you were to get two wishes today for your family, two wishes, that when you enter uh, the room to talk to your wife, that when you enter into the room to talk to your kids, if you were gonna usher some counseling to your grandkids, how many of you at all of our locations would go, I wanna give life-giving words and words that give peace to your family? Yeah, 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 If you didn't raise your hand, um, okay, I tried to set you up for a win there. Okay, if you want this, you get this through the Spirit. And the Spirit takes up residence and it guides your mind. Look what else it does Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I'll uh, leave it right here for just a second. Go back one slide. Yeah, hold on a second. So, how do I get the mind of Christ? I get it through the Spirit of Christ. And if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not in Christ. Well, how do you get the Spirit? The Bible tells us that when we are baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We become united with Christ. So when you are baptized into Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, you have your mind that's governed by the Spirit, and it moves you out of the realm of the flesh and into the realm of the Spirit. Now let's keep going, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, though, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, hold on a second. Okay, this, uh, what this means is that he has the power to redeem you from death. So there's gonna come a moment in time when every single one of us are gonna die. Our bodies are going to cease to operate. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit is gonna be a part of resurrecting us so that way we become eternal in Christ, in heaven forever. If he can redeem a body from death, that means that he can redeem your marriage. If he can redeem the biggest thing, I can trust him in the small things. If I can trust him with my eternity, I can trust him with my today. If I can trust him with my salvation, I can trust him with my parenting, the conversations I have to have. Now, let's keep going in the text, see what God does next. Uh, Romans uh, 8, 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Through the Spirit, you have the power to put to death the very sins that are waging war and causing harm in your family. There is a sin in your marriage, in your parenting, in your grandparenting. It exists. If you don't know what it is, ask them. They'll tell you, okay, okay? I need you to know that the Spirit gives you power to put to death the sin that is causing harm to the very people you love. That's how good your God is. He is coming alongside of you, helping you to have the relationship that you desperately want to have. He's coming in and giving you the tools to bring death the things that are causing those you love harm. Look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This is crazy. Here, we find out that in God's redemptive plan, he takes us from being enemies of God to being children of God. I think I've told this story before. Um, when I was either 11 or 14, my parents adopted uh, my brother. You can tell he's my brother because he has blonde hair, blue eyes, great metabolism, and loves to run, okay? He, he'll be sitting on a couch and go, I think I'm just gonna go for like a four-mile run. I'm like, okay, Is, are you all right? Like someone chasing you? Is every, I mean, what do you need? Yeah. Uh, he's a freak. Now, check this out. Uh, my parents adopted him. Uh, guess what my last name is? Hensel. Guess what his last name is? Hensel. When my dad dies, guess how much of whatever my dad uh, has is mine? Well, there's four of us. I get 25%. Guess how much my brother gets? 25%. That's a pile of stink right there. He's not even one of us. Oh, hold on a second. God's the one who adop- adopted us. My dad chose to make my brother one of us, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I was just joking about it. I can't believe it. he gets the same amount. Because when he got brought in, he got full heirship of being a Hensel. And that makes sense to all of you, right? That of course, if my parents are gonna adopt him, he shouldn't be treated as a second-class citizen. Look at how good your God is. He adopted us, he put his name in us, and he makes us heirs. Heirs with who? With Jesus. Are you kidding me? That's how good he is. If he can take you from being his enemy to being his son, what could he do with your parenting? What could he do in your marriage? If he has that kind of power, is anything off limits? Now, this is not gonna be easy. It's gonna be hard. It may be a challenge today, and the love, uh, loving your family well and leading them well will be costly and heavy, but one day it will be made perfect if we don't give up. Look what it says in Romans eight eighteen. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. When Paul writes this, he's writing to people who are carrying a heavy burden for their faith to bring about godly redemption in a community. And it's hard, and it hurts, but he's saying don't give up because one day there will be some beauty in this. Some of us, we want a better family. We just don't want it to hurt we wanna have a better family, but we don't wanna take the high road because the high road always seems uphill. And let's be honest, it's hard for us to take the high road when we see everybody else taking the low road. And then we write ourselves a permission slip before God gets a, is able to do the redemptive work. We walk it for a little while. Like some of you today, you're gonna to be like, you know what, I'm gonna go home, and I'm just gonna do a really awesome job in front of my spouse. And you're gonna last like 15 minutes. And you're like, okay, all right, I guess this is how it is then. <laughs> Don't lie, you know I'm right. You're like, Clayton, quit. You know how I know? Because I, <laughs> I've seen what Jennifer goes through, okay? <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, we, we're like all energized to go home and make a difference and bring about a change and we go, hey, I just want to talk to you, son. I know things haven't been, They're like, hey, I'm busy. They're like, all right, find it. No, 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 no. It was God's patience and his kindness that brought us to redemption. Oh, that we should be patient with the people we're trying to turn things around. Do you want a better marriage, better parenting, better relationship with your kids? What if it's gonna take longer than you thought? Do you think that God could supply you with the strength and the patience and the kindness to endure the present hardship for future glory in your marriage? Look at Romans 8, 18, or uh, last one. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. These are the people he's adopted. This is you and me. Once we start an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ in accordance with the will of God. No matter how hard it gets, No matter how heavy the load is, no matter how dark the situation, no matter how anguishing the moments, you need to know this, you have constant access to God in prayer. Oh, I need you to hear the truth of this. It is in that constant access to God in prayer that he will give you the gifts and the strength that you need to carry the heavy load that you're carrying to give you the patience to navigate the situation. And sometimes you're gonna go, but Clayton, I don't even know what to pray for. Yeah, I've been there too. You don't even know where to start. I've been there too. And it's in those moments when you don't even know what to pray for and you don't even know where to start that I need you to know that the Holy Spirit who is in you is interceding on your behalf to the Father who knows exactly what the situation calls for. I'm a super simple guy. There's all kinds of things that I want for my kids and for my family, like a long, long list. And if you try and figure out what are you not gonna pray for, it gets really, that gets like, you're like, oh my goodness, I need to be praying for way more things. And so then I was like, God, I'm just gonna pray for like two things, so that way you don't forget and I don't forget, okay? And I mean this: uh, If you were to hop in the car with me uh, on Tuesday when I take my kids to school, I pray the same prayer. I prayed the same prayer for Kennedy uh, when I was taking her to school. And there's a, uh, there a tanning salon place that we used to, st- where we turned a right to go to her school. And I would start praying that prayer until she was in high school. And then I, when we got to a stop sign on Ward Street, that, or on Grant Street, I'd start praying for her uh, there and here. When we get to 15th Street, I start praying for my boys. I'm just going to tell you what my super spiritual prayer is. You ready? It's just scripture. God, help my kids to grow up to love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and help them to embrace the great commission and make disciples of all nations. And God, help them to find a spouse who loves you and will love them well. If God just answers that prayer, I'm good. Uh, do you want your kids to be wealthy? Nope, I, I want them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and embrace the Great Commission and make disciples of all nations and help them to find a spouse who loves them and loves them well because it doesn't matter how much money they have, if there's not love in their home and there's not the love of Jesus in their heart, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Well, do you want them to have a job? Really don't care about that either um, because uh, I just really, if I could pick between my kids being gainfully employed and having an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, I, I know which one, I'll figure the rest out, okay? I'll save harder, I just want my kids to know Jesus and to be united with somebody who knows and loves Jesus. And when I don't know what to pray about situations, sometimes I just know, God, you're, you're covering for me. This week at every single one of our locations, you're going to have an opportunity to pray over the relationships that you have. And uh, we've got cards at all of our locations. Most of your campus pastors will be talking to you about this during the plane landing. Some might be doing it during the announcements. And what we want you to do is, we want you to start praying over your family. And some of you are going, I already pray over my family. Cool, man. All right. Careful, okay? Uh, We're not saying you have to stop, okay? Uh, But for those, but we want to give you like maybe an area just to kind of focus on for the next week and see what God does. Because here's one of the things that I've noticed we can't expect godly wins without pursuing godly ways that I can't expect God to take the ground in my life that I'm not yielding to him in prayer. Sometimes God uses prayer to open up my eyes to the work that he's already doing. That when the things I'm praying about, I start to be more sensitive to it when I'm not praying and I see it represented in other people's lives. Romans 8, 28, this is where we're gonna finish up. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me give you some hope. Not only did God redeem you, but God is working for your good. If you are in a relationship with him, he is working for your good. That means that you and God are on the same team when it comes to your marriage. He wants a godly marriage for you. God is on your team when you want a better relationship with your kids or your grandkids or your parents He wants that too. God, you want a family that loves well and represents Christ and cares for the world around them? God wants that too. You want a family that prays and gives and connects and lives for a greater purpose? I want you to know that God wants that too. You want your kids to grow up to love the Lord and to find a spouse that loves the Lord and raise kids that love the Lord? So does God, and he is working for this good. Not only is God working for our good, but he is giving us good things. He is working to rescue us and forgive our sins and remove our shame. Rescue your heart, redeem your past. Nothing is too big for him. If you can touch your ankle, you can touch your nose. If he can redeem your life, he can redeem your relationships. Uh, Cole Miller, uh, who's a part of our Pike County location, helped me with this sermon. And he told me about uh, Kintsugi. And some of you guys are way more cultural than I am. But I had, I had never heard of this, and I am like all the way in now. Uh, kintsugi just means uh, golden joinery, okay? And what it is, uh, is when someone breaks a bowl, uh, they put it back together. Here's a picture of what it looks like. That the fractures on a ceramic bowl don't represent the end of that object's life, but simply an essential moment in its history. How many of you have a chipped plate at home? And you haven't thrown it away. You just keep it there and it's chipped. How many of you have pulled out a coffee mug and you've dropped it on the ground and it's shattered and you got upset because someone gave it to you and you ended up having to throw it away? Uh, In Kintsugi, you don't throw it away. You put it back together. And the way you put it back together is you put gold in all of the broken places. This is probably the best description of what our relationships could look like if we were to let God in the middle of them that the broken pieces of your relationship aren't something to be thrown away, but they're a place for God to come in and fix it. They don't represent the end of that object's life, but an essential moment in its history. The flaws of its shape are not hidden from inspection, but emblazoned with golden significance. How many of us, We've tried to hide the broken pieces of our life instead of allowing God to put his golden finger in and restore it and then show it off for the world to see, look at what my God redeemed. It was Hemingway's famous line from A Farewell to Arms where he says, the world breaks everyone and afterwards many are stronger in the broken places. This repair requires transformation. And the good news is that the God we serve specializes in transformation. The pottery didn't crack for a good reason. You don't take your marriage and dash it on the ground just so God can put it back together. No, that's not what it's about. It's about when life happens and things break that we believe that God can redeem them when we put the situation and we put the sin in his hands and he takes his golden finger and he makes something beautiful out of it. This is why people say everything happens for a reason because you can't help but look at this and go, if it hadn't broken, I never would have had something so beautiful. But what we're focusing on is God's redemptive work, not his intended work. God intended for your marriage to be happy and whole and forever. But when it breaks, when it shatters, I need you to know that God can redeem it. And then when you share your testimony, you allow other people to see the part where God worked his greatest work inside of each and every single one of you. The interesting thing that I love about Lego pieces is even though you can break the house down, you can never destroy the power of a single piece. The little knobs on the top and little spaces on the bottom are like the most indestructible part of a Lego. I mean, sure, you can pull them apart and you can make them all a bunch of just singular pieces. And so while the house may not exist, the building blocks for the house never disappear. God hardwired into your DNA an undestructible force, this, that you were designed, forever designed, to be connected to God and connected to the people around you. No matter how bad the situation's been, no matter how bad you were hurt, no matter how many heartaches you have had to endure, there is an unbroken part of you that was put in there by God that is uncrushable. And it is the ability to always be rebuilt one relationship at a time. It is deep in the DNA of us. That's maybe why it says in First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, and the God of all grace, who, okay, let's do this together. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, will himself restore you and make you, look at these words, strong, firm, and steadfast, who called you as eternal glory after you have suffered a little while. Keep suffering, folks. You're trying to fix that marriage, keep suffering. You're trying to endure the heartache of your kids, keep suffering, keep suffering, because he himself will restore you and make you strong firm, and steadfast, and when he does that, there's only gonna be one thing to do, to say these words, to him, be the power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, we're moving to a time of decision. Real quick, those of you who are single, I got to clear something up. I didn't clear it up in the sermon. I didn't have time and I'm already running late. Uh, If you don't ever get married, I want you to know you're just fine. If you don't ever find that someone, you're good. If you already found a someone and that someone didn't work out and you're going, I feel like I have to find a someone again, you don't, you don't. Uh, You are not a better Christian when you get married. Uh, You're not more holy, more useful, more godly because you're married. Because marriage isn't what gets you into heaven. Oh, what gets you into heaven is actually a single guy who never married. His name was Jesus. And if being married is what makes you uh, usable and worthwhile, boy, Jesus would be uh, gigantic. That's weird. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Most of your New Testament was written by a man named Paul. Uh, You know an interesting thing about Paul? He never got married. Peter, the guy I just read from, He only wrote uh, two books in the Bible. He was married. Think of what he could have done. (laughs) Hear me. Some of you are carrying around this weight. You're going, but Clayton, you just prayed for your kids to get married. Yeah, I'd like my kids to get married, but listen. You don't need to get married to be used by God, to be a powerful force, to be leveraged for the advancement of the gospel. You don't have to get married for God to love you anymore. Listen. If you get married, he's gonna love you the exact same amount he did before you got married. So if you're carrying around some spiritual weight that you have to get married, not here, not at this church, not in the Bible, because two of the most famous people in scripture did it without a spouse. Just be faithful. Just follow after God. If if it's the desire of your heart, if you want it, keep praying for it, but listen, I don't want you thinking that this church is just for married folk. Because listen, married folk have all kinds of problems. We need some people that don't have marriage problems coming to our church, and the best way to do that is more single people. Okay, okay, hear my heart in this. Second thing: uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you just don't. You just don't stand a chance. You can't fix your marriage, your parenting, your grandparenting on your own power, on your own strength. It only comes through him. And it's only after he comes in and with his spirit starts to put to death the deeds of your life that you'll never be able to live the life that you were designed for. And as I was going through Romans eight, I'm hoping that maybe you are going, I want what they're talking about. I want a new mind and a new spirit. I want life and I want peace. I want to live a life where there's no condemnation, where I've been rescued and made a son, and I get to cry out, Abba, Father. What the Bible's telling us there is you get to call God, Dad. When my kids get hurt in the house, when they fall and trip or, you know, something bad happens, they don't go, Pastor Clayton, Pastor Clayton, I beseech thee, come to thy aid. No, they don't. They don't go, Elder Clayton. Nope, they don't do that. If I was a doctor, they wouldn't go, "Uh, Dr. Hensel, you know what my kids cry out? Dad! Dad! What? (laughs) What? I'd make a horrible God, okay? (laughs) That's why it's, it's better him than me and better him than you. Trust me. Do you, do you, well, hold on a second. Clayton, what are you saying? Yeah, you get to call God Dad you come into an intimate, personal relationship with him. He is your father. Oh, is he Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha? Oh, is he all kinds of things? Is he Elohim? Is he Emmanuel? Yeah. But you don't have to remember any of those words because you get all of those words when you cry out, Daddy. And that could be true for you today. You could find your heavenly father. And if you have questions about that, there's going to be somebody right over by the baptistry who would love to talk to you about it. For the rest of y'all in here, up here at the steps, in different spots, we have these little prayer cards. We have one for uh, single people. We have one for married people. We have one for people with kids. And we have ones for grandparents. And you might be going, Clayton, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm married, and, uh, and I've got kids, and I've got grandkids. Fine, I mean, overachiever. Pick up three cards, okay? <laughs> what I want you guys to do this week, just, just think with me for a second. What if you and all the people in your row We're to start praying to God in a singular direction. What do you think could happen to our marriages? Oh, what do you think could happen in our homes? I don't know. Let's find out. Would you stand with me? Man, God, I love this church. I love the time that we get to spend together and grow together. And I pray that you would use this time right now to bring about a change in every heart, both in this room and to those watching online. That God, you would help us to take steps I know there's some people in here that maybe in their pride, they're going, uh, my marriage is good, my parenting is gold. Uh, God, I pray that they realize that they ain't seen nothing yet, that when they turn over pieces of their life to you, you can make broken things brand new. God, I know that there's people in here right now that believe that their marriage is uh, beyond saving, that their kids are beyond reaching, but God, nothing, nobody ever is beyond the reach and the power of your love. And so God, we're claiming that truth today. And as we come up here and get down on our knees and pray as we pick up these prayer cards, I'm asking you to meet us here. Inject our hearts full of hope. In your name I pray, amen.